0: back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry and ElisaIlana.com. Now, here's Mulberry Lane.
1: Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. Well, if you are in Omaha or come to Omaha on August 13th, you can catch Ben Taylor at the Slowdown. Now, he's from Rock Royalty. This son of James Taylor and Carly Simon is going to share with you right now what it's like creating songs. His latest album and what it's like being Ben Taylor. We've got Ben Taylor on our show today. Gonna talk about listening, and he's got a lot to say. Welcome to the show, Ben.
0: Oh, man, that's great. I should always have Sisters with Beautiful Voices introduce me like that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. We're happy to have you on the show. Oh,
0: man, I'm happy to be on the show.
1: Well, thank you. Now, okay, you released an album that was four years in the making. hmm So why so long?
0: Um, this is one of the problems I get into if I have too much executive control. Mm. Okay. When I have a producer who actually takes the reins and have the authority to tell me when to stop, right. it takes me far less time to make an album. But under the circumstances, I sort of had too many sets of reins. Every time I got to the end of it, I started over.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> Do you think you're a perfectionist?
0: Yeah. I mean, I okay. think that's putting it very mildly. I okay. think I'm a neurotic Baz.
1: Okay, well, you would get along quite well with Allie here. <laughs> uh, yes, we're in the same club. <laughs>
0: you know, the thing is is that you write a song and you feel uh, excited about it, and then you get it into the studio and you finish recording it and you're about to master it, and you think to yourself, is this song really finished being written? Does the song even know what it wants to say yet?
1: Mm-hmm. So, okay, now, obviously some of the songs were written four years ago. Mm-hmm. And some of them were written, you know, as you were recording. So it yep. was that hard to find a cohesion. People change a lot in four years.
0: Cohesivity was not my primary objective. okay You know, we recorded the same group of songs six times in that four years. And then mm-hmm. what I did was just pick my favorite version of every song. And I think that in this day and age, it's okay because for the most part, People are buying a song at a time. Mm -hmm. I agree. I don't think it's as detrimental as it used to be to be a little bit patchwork on your albums, production-wise and stylistically.
1: Uh You're on a label now, right?
0: I'm not. After I made that album, I sold it for one option to the label that distributed it for me just because I didn't want to have that hat to wear as well. Right. uh, As far as the label is concerned, I'd rather not have anybody else trying to figure out how I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to come off, what I'm supposed to look like, what I'm supposed to sound like.
1: What you're supposed to wear.
0: Yeah. Having the label there saying, oh, you're going on television. Have you been awake all night? Have you shaved? This and that and the other. And it made me a little bit made me want to turn up looking like I had just been up partying all night. I hear you. I think from now on, I'll probably do things
1: independently. Okay. Now, your style is similar to your parents, but the content is uniquely you. But growing up with that legacy, Mm -hmm. was it hard to find your own voice?
0: I think maybe it was a little hard for me to distinguish my own voice Mm -hmm. from, you know, those of some of my idols and family and whatnot. But once I found it, it was easy enough to recognize.
1: Okay. So you knew it when you found it.
0: As you say, there is striking similarities between, you know, certainly my father's voice and my voice Mm -hmm. and our guitar playing styles, things like that. My mom and I write similar songs in terms of the lyrical content. Mm -hmm. And that's just because those were my heroes when I was growing up.
1: For sure. And a little bit of genetics. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For a while there, you didn't want to do music or you were exploring other options.
0: I thought that when it first came time for me to get a job, when I dropped out of high school, I was 15 years old, okay. got a couple of jobs here and there working on organic farms and wilderness expedition trips. But when it really came time for me to decide upon a career, I couldn't find anything that inspired me the way that music did. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any heroes other than musicians and Jedis, but Jedis more <laughs> fetched.
1: So how is your creative process different from your mom and dad?
0: Uh, extremely different. Okay. My father locks himself up in a room for months at a time and just sort of hides away from the world, doesn't share his process with anybody. He just sort of takes a a section of time, goes in, keeps his head down, writes a batch of songs, and then comes out with it. Okay. Uh, My mom... You know, when we were kids, she would wake us up in the middle of the night to read us the new chorus that she had just written because she was so eager to have our input and other people's takes
1: on it. So she would need that sharing part of the process.
0: Having a sounding board for her is a really Mm -hmm. big part of her process. And my father doesn't do that at all.
1: Yeah, very opposite from each other. Do you find yourself needing to share or are you more private?
0: I'm somewhere in between in okay. terms of exposing the material to objective opinions before it's ready. I don't like to play things before I'm happy with them for people. Yes. Okay. I do like to wait until I know what I'm doing before I play it to other people, but sometimes I can't help myself. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. When you wrote your first song and you played it for your mom or your dad, what was their initial reaction?
0: In both of their cases, very similar reactions. I could see them both struggling to keep from interrupting me and giving me advice before the song had finished. Right. Gotcha. They're such critical thinkers about songwriting, and they have so many opinions, and they have so much experience that <laughs> I think it was a, a struggle for them. Also, with parents, they have a hard time not confusing their own experience with the experiences of their children. So, you know, I think for both of them, it was like, oh, if I had written this song, what would I have done differently? So they were both very supportive and cautionary as well, you know, Mm -hmm. careful to tell me that the example of success that they had set wasn't necessarily realistic in a contemporary world. Right. But also very supportive and proud of me for the writing and the hard work. They're Mm -hmm. they're good folks,
1: really. Uh Yes. Very interesting. Now, you're in a unique position as the son of two successful people in the music industry who's followed them in, what advice would you give to anyone that has successful parents who are following their parents into the business? What advice would you give? And yeah, it's not necessarily just the music business.
0: I would say that no matter what walk of life you're in, and it's not just your parents, whoever you know, whoever the connections that you have are, mm-hmm. are apt to kick open doors that uh, you couldn't kick open yourself. mm mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, if if you can't kick the door open yourself, it means you're not ready to walk through it. Right. Mm. So that's the double-edged sword in a nutshell. It's the fact that you get given attention that you haven't earned and that you're not ready to deal with. So the main piece of advice I would give is just don't worry about what your parents have done except for inspire you to do something yourself.
1: Right. Gotcha. Yeah, that's very good. You like to road test your songs, play them live
0: imperative i think that you might just regret it for the rest of your life if you go ahead and record that song that you just wrote in the studio and you can't bear not to have it on the album you're making right because effectively the song hasn't finished writing itself Uh you might not know it i often say that i don't hear a song until i get it on stage and hear it vicariously through the ears of total strangers right i don't actually trust the opinion of the people who are a bias and b You know, we have patterns of communication that I don't necessarily understand. Mm -hmm. I I think that when you get it on stage in front of strangers, their reactions, that's really when you hear the thing. Right.
1: After you've performed the song several times, do you find yourself reworking them? Yeah. Do you find it typically is a better song then?
0: Yeah, I think the more and breath that you can give a song to write itself, the better. Because I, I'm of the opinion that we don't write songs, songwriters. We just help songs write themselves right. when we recognize that they're trying to get out. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And everything has a song. If you can sit there and be sensitive and attentive enough to it, you can find a song in you know a tennis shoe or a whisker or a watermelon or a clock or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful with it because a lot of the time you try to take control and you ruin it.
1: You know, a lot of artists... That we've had on the show have talked about when you try to control things, that's when they get out of control.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. yep. inevitably. And it's when you start to warp things in a way that someday you'll regret.
1: Mm-hmm. You've toured with Sheryl Crow and Dar Williams. Yep. What was that like being on the road with women singer-songwriters?
0: I have a much better rapport with women than I do with men. I prefer opening up for women. I get along better with them. My relationship with my mother and sister are really, really My favorite one was Tracy Chapman. I toured with her for like a year and a half. Okay. Okay. And not only does she have at least ten songs that I would do anything to have written myself, you know, it was the only opening act that I've ever done where I actually stayed every night and watched her
1: set. Wow, this is a lot. That does. We have a question of the day on our show, and our question today, Ben, is what is the biggest career mistake you've made, and how did you recover?
0: I would say it was music, and I'll never recover. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and maybe that's a good thing, right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great.
0: Seriously, I think that I could have picked a number of other relatively fulfilling career Options that would have been less challenging mm-hmm. and would have taken way less time would have given me room for the rest of my life, which effectively I don't have because the music is so all-encompassing.
1: Right. Yes. Uh-huh.
0: Um, and I miss, you know, gardening and I miss having like solid friendships and going on vacation. You know, you get to be a nomadic musician and you don't want to go on vacation anymore. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You get home, you just want to be home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I really think as a career choice just as something that you use to try to make ends meet it's a poor one in this day and age I think that you have to love music so much that you don't mind what extremely long suffering blue collar kind of an affair it is mm-hmm. certainly at this point where you know I've actually been doing it professionally for almost 10 years I wouldn't know who I was
1: without, without it. it right right it becomes who you are what's your career highlight so far
0: you know a couple well, years ago I went and did like a father son tour with my father.
1: Oh, um, Awesome.
0: And, and I've also toured with my mom a number of times and I think that those are really the most gratifying ones. I did get into this business because they inspired me as much as they did. I'm as proud of them as I've ever seen a kid be of their oh, parents. Wow. And so to be able to get on stage with them and have them express some of that pride back to me was really fulfilling. Oh
1: That, that That's was sweet. awesome. Well Ben we want to thank you so much for visiting with us August 13th. You're going to be at the Slowdown I'm sure it will be a great show, and we'll have to keep in touch.
0: It's going to be funny. Can you guys make it to the show?
1: We're going to yeah, try. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Don't be strangers. Come see hello. Okay, we, sure we will, will, Ben. Thank you so really nice much. Thanks again and again.
1: All right, Ben. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And off of his album listening, here's Worlds Are Made of Paper by Ben Taylor. We'll be right back with our coffee chat. World.